0: Episode 54 of Storyteller Conclave, a show about all about helping you run the best tabletop roleplay game you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I am Rob.
1: And I am Sarah.
0: And strangely enough, we are not in the same room. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: So, we may sound a little, a little different
0: too, so...
1: I was feeling a little under the weather, so uh, uh, due to an overabundance of caution, not knowing if this is, you know, spring allergies or, you know, pandemic plague, I uh, decided to, you know, just play things a little safe today, so we, I am remoting in, so if things are a little weird and a little off-kilter, we apologize for that.
2: Yeah, definitely. But oh, we figured
1: the show must go on, so.
0: Yep, so we're still here, we're still together, and we are still doing a show. And we're going to try and not let it suck. So, that being (laughs) said... I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah. So, needless to say, we are healthy as we can be, but we are cautious as uh, uh, as we can be as well. So, hopefully, by next week, this will all have passed and we'll all be fine. And back to doing this. But either way, we are trying to bring you the best show that we possibly can. So, with that being said, today, Sarah... We are doing a show on Law & Order.
1: Law & Order. Now and we can't do the Dun Dun,
0: because otherwise we are literally going to get sued into the ground.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I think it's a meme
0: at this point, honestly. It, so. it kind of is, but I don't think it's hit to the level, because they've actually supported it enough that like, if we used it like the Xerox term, we would totally get nailed. But regardless, <laughs> it is something that, like, is weird, because so many times in games it isn't brought up. Unless it's specifically necessary, you know. Yeah, I mean,
1: we we throw around the uh the term murder hobos a lot.
2: Yeah, yeah, we just throw that
1: around a lot. You know, referring, of course, to to a group of of hobos about a bunch of you know wandering vagabonds with no you know particular place they they especially call home. And the murder part, of course, is pretty self explanatory. They solve every problem by killing it judiciously until it stops becoming a problem for them.
0: Yes, and
1: exactly. You know, when you're murder hobos, sometimes you can run or follow the law. And, you know, even if you're just doing regular stuff, you can run or follow the law. But, you know, especially in situations where, you know, you've given your character swords and uh, every solution starts looking like a target dummy to them.
2: Mm-hmm. I agree. And
1: so you start asking the question where is the law when you need it? And how do you bring the law in? Uh, you know, the town guards obviously taking issue with them doing vigilante justice on the streets, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, here we are.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so I guess the, the, the place where I want kind of want to start a little bit is like defining what the law kind of is in games that we don't get to see. Because I know a lot of times when I'm looking at games, unless it's a major city, uh, you know, in a fantasy world, there really isn't a law. There, there, there isn't. I mean, there's law for certain individuals, for perhaps ones who, you know, have wealth or or standing or their own garrison or what have you. But for the most part, like in the fantasy feudal worlds, there there really isn't much law. There, there's guards, you know.
1: Uh, I mean, there was there, there's there's a lot of might makes right. Um, and you'll also see, like, you know, local laws with local constabularies and stuff like that, you know, so a town might have something akin to a sheriff True. Um, or, or something like that, that, you know, they decide what go- kind of goes in their village, regardless of what the you know, the larger, like, kingdom laws are or something like that. But, I mean, let's, let's take, um, for
0: instance, like, uh, D&D as a whole. I mean, when we think of something like Neverwinter, there is guards there. There is a legal system within Neverwinter. And oh yeah. Yet a lot of times it feels like they are merely background. They don't have an active role in in things. You don't hear a lot about them within the stories or even the even the reference. And the last time I think I looked at a Neverwinter module, it ba- it didn't even touch on, you know, who would come if bad things were happening in town besides the guard who might show up, you know?
1: Well, I don't know much about Neverwinter. It's uh particularly, but um there's, In fact uh, uh, Sean's writing it in the uh, the live chat right now mm-hmm. uh, We've got two games going on in Waterdeep right now Both being run by Sean mm-hmm. And uh, there's the code legal um, And he even started off his uh, Dragon Heist game By essentially reading us the code legal And kind of setting the groundwork for like Okay look this whole game takes place in Waterdeep Don't expect a murder hober your way through it Here's what you have to deal with You know
0: Right. Here's what everybody knows is the laws of the land, and I think mm-hmm. I think that's good. Seven C kind of sets that uh, in motion with the Swordsman's Guild. Is that if you enter into one of the guilds to learn a sword school, you also must follow the rules of the Swordsman's Guild, which is that you don't kill people. You you duels are only allowed to happen in sanctioned situations, you know, or under you know uh, defense. So it's a very touchy kind of situation when you do draw a sword or or a gun on somebody
1: Mm-hmm. So yep, absolutely uh and so you know it, it's it's good to put the, the things out there and you know kind of figure out what what the, the legal structure of the game is and stuff like that um but you know, it's a completely different thing to then bring those consequences to bear i suppose you know
0: true true
1: all right, so outside of fantasy, what other sort of legal systems really.
0: I mean, we got like more modern contemporary ones, which can range from your typical like small town police, if you're dealing with like uh, something like a, a Cthulhuan kind of thing where it's happening in like, you know, backwoods town, you might have like one or two sheriffs who have to follow the law when really they're just kind of controlling things themselves, all oh, the yeah. way to yeah, like. Yeah. Downtown Chicago, where you've got a whole police force and SWAT and choppers and things like that. So, you know, you you do something terrible and they're going to notice and probably have a response time that's pretty decent um, mm-hmm. to get to a location. Like, you know, just as likely if you're breaking into a security facility, maybe a uh, uh, a major corporation or something that's connected with um, federal agencies in any way or, or, or banking that response time might be even faster and and more so you might actually have local guards who are then going to do different things than the police would do to try and contain it. Um, I'm willing to bet right now in the background, Matt Elf is going, I understand what local law enforcement and small group law enforcement does because he was involved in that stuff
2: uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, on, yeah, in a yeah. campus
0: setting. So he he understands what that can be. And in fact, uh, I remember playing in a game with him where that kind of came about and we had to deal with law enforcement and, and, and handle those situations uh, of a little bit of procedure. So I think what it gets to me hearing whenever I think of modern stuff, I think of very much there's procedural, there's procedural law and procedural order that happens out of them.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think it's about right. Um, I also kind of really like that, uh, you know, in in kind of all these settings, but I think in especially in more modern settings where, um, especially like you know, your Shadowrun sort of settings or your uh, you know, World of Darkness settings a lot, uh, the police kind of become a um. Uh, a tool that can be almost used by the big bad guy. 100%. Or, or possibly even by you, if you play your cards right, well, uh, you know, yeah. using influence and such like that.
0: I think even if in some of your like I, – I even stretch contemporary all the way back to like film noir kind of stuff where you might be a PI or some kind of side thing trying to do investigations. Oh, you absolutely. Know, and the police yeah. are actually friends of yours, but they're lazy and they don't want to get involved, you know, and you're just a, you know, a detective on the scene. What are you going to do kind of a thing? I love those kind of pieces where they're a little bit of plot. But also a lot of bit of of flavor that adds to the framing of the story of good and evil and questionable and those kind of pieces
1: yeah absolutely any anytime, anytime I write up a setting um regardless of of its of its time period, I always make sure that uh I have an NPC written up for uh, like the captain of the guard or you know the police chief or you know whatever, whatevers whatever's uh, a setting appropriate mm-hmm. And uh, always, like, at least two guards that you guys may run into on a semi-frequent basis, you know, Uh, just to give kind of a a face to the police force there. Um, So that if and when your party does run afoul of them, you have some NPCs to throw in that are kind of like your major characters.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then you've got the alternative to all this that we've kind of spoken about, which is like the Judge dread kind of police that are out there.
1: Oh, God. Yeah. You know, absolutely. where it's like
0: this law, these laws are done this way because it's the best way to handle the chaos that's just outside the doors of those who wish to who, who are in power. And instead mm-hmm. of it being where it's like, hey, it's just lawless outside of our doors and we don't care. It's no we're going to put these guys in the streets, give them the best tactical gear, give them the press things and give them the right to judge right on the spot, you know, and bam, there you go. You know, now, yeah. you, now you've got an ang- now you've got less of an angry and more of a force to be reckoned with that has true power, unbelievable power at that. And that kind of goes back to the feudal a little bit, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, you could run into that, like, especially like in, in more like fascist or more, um, you know so, rules with an iron fist sort of yeah, rule, yeah well i was i was thinking more like more like strong armed you know lawful evil style of uh of rulership you know where it's like you know look we will have order in our streets and any disorder will be swiftly met right you know right. and and you'll have like maybe even like paladins as enforcers that yeah. like, not not only just arrest but smite you mm-hmm. know
0: yeah like and here's my justice done exactly
1: you know? exactly so
0: yeah no so, I, I agree with that go ahead
1: so the the, the question I, I suppose is you know there, there's a lot of different ways of representing um uh, the, the legal system and and the justice system and stuff like that but um and you, you talked a little bit earlier especially like about uh the mad elf uh you know having some real life experience and stuff like that and bringing real life things into the game
2: mm-hmm.
1: um is that is that really the way you want to play it though? You know, is that is, mm-hmm. is realistic always your best your best angle on that?
0: Well, I mean, I think that if it's if if it's meant to be a gritty realistic moment, maybe. But a lot of times, like at least in my in in my history with gaming and listening to people who run games, a lot of times the law is used as a leverage point for the storyteller. It gets them to pull things into a track and put pressure in places where... It wouldn't normally put, you know, I've seen storytellers who have had the law come into games and take things um, that were evidence or important relics or whatever was important to the game and take it away from the players so -hmm. that they now had another thing they had to go deal with that was more social related, you know, and or subversive to that group, you know, where they had to sneak in and steal it back or they had to negotiate with somebody else who now has their hands on it or what, you know, what have you, you know, or getting caught and having them to, to negotiate that and, and work out, you know, what they how they were going to get themselves out of that situation, you know?
1: Right, 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 right.
0: Or using it as a plot device where they're framed, you know, and now they've got a whole nother situation involved. Um but I think there's there, there's something to be said about the whole converting, you know, people from murder hobos into more reputable people by, you know, if they're not following the laws that you had set forth and showing them that these are important things to the society and using the, using the legal system within that. But if it becomes so much that it's a block to the story, you know, is it, is it a good idea?
1: You know, right. I mean, I think anytime you bring, you bring law enforcement in as a response to the party doing what, you know, what D and D parties do, I suppose. Um, you you run the risk of start turning it into like a party versus the versus the guards sort of story, right? Um, because then you know it, it like they're already a group that solves problems by killing the problems away, mm-hmm. and now you're bringing guards in as a response to that. and Now all of a sudden it's you know are now they're just, the guards are just the new
0: targets, right? They're not actually doing anything to change the direction of the players
1: there's there's no contrition there's no (laughs) there's
0: no reflection no no you know they they have no investment in them so what what you know what's the point
1: yeah they're just they're just more nameless npcs you know right and whatever they'll they're they're hobos so they'll they'll leave anyways they're just they're just gonna skip town for the next town or whatever so
0: right okay uh,
1: so I, th- I think that the trick the trick is if you are going to bring in law enforcement, is to make it compelling, and you also kind of have to address the power curve as well, because mm-hmm. a lot of times you know adventurers can call down some pretty extreme powers, and if you're you know positing that your law enforcement are just average joes who you know watch the streets and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, you know you got to run the you've got to walk that line between. Realism, you know, and believability within your setting of these are just people, they're just average guards with probably six hit points in a suit of chain mail.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah,
1: they're versus, not adventurers. Right, versus, versus the, the, uh, what, they, you know, what they tend to do in video games, which is make the guards have, you know, three billion hit points right. and, you know, deal one billion every hit mm-hmm. to dissuade you from trying to fight the guards.
2: Yeah,
0: I, th- I, I think back to games like WoW. Where, like, the guards of the city, if you did, if you went to go walk in, you know, as a human into the Orc City, you were just getting laid out, like, kitchen tile.
1: Yep, you know, uh, you Elder Scrolls Online did the exact same thing. Yeah. Which yeah. got really tricky when they introduced the uh, the, the ability to thieve things. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, oh, yeah, they got real mad if you stole the wrong stuff.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: So, I mean, I, I guess it's a, it's a, le- it, it's a, if you're gonna use them in that way, I think you've got to do like, like you were saying, set the laws and rules down early in the game, make it part of the world, and make that part of the world very obvious. You know, um, I know one of the uh, Seven C storytellers that I read uh, opened one of his games with um, a side scene you know, that didn't necessarily involve the players, but involved something that the players knew and that it ended up in a hanging. Uh, oh, and, wow. it was, and it was wrongful. It was a wrongful hanging, but it showed the power of an individual over this kind of uh, security that was in the area, the The guards that were that were managing uh, the, yeah. the area that they were and, in control of that. And so these players would basically have the chance that not only they could be hurt, but people connected with them.
1: Oh and yeah, absolutely.
0: So that made that changed how they had to navigate the system. So yeah, def, definitely changes once you you know the scape, and at the same time, it's reinforced very quickly.
1: Uh, I think the other the other important thing too is uh, is to engage with law enforcement on a social level rather than a combative level. I agree. Uh, because, you know, you, like, like I was kind of saying earlier, you know, you don't want the guards to become the new targets. So if you engage in a social level, and this is kind of harkening back to why I always make up the the guard captain or the ple- chief of police and like one or two guards to be the face of the law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Because that way, you know, it's it's one thing if it's like, oh, four nameless NPC guards, you know, run into the room, you know, mm-hmm. and they roll initiative. But it's another thing if it's like, okay, so, uh you know. Guard Riley and Guard Jonesy walk into the room and they're like, oh, it's you guys again. And now suddenly you've got some you've got a face, you've got an attitude. And it's it's a lot less likely that they're going to turn on guards that they know, guards that they've talked to before and just start killing them away. You know,
0: no, I agree. I totally agree. And it's uh, at the same time. If you engage with them on a social level, they're also going to be communicating with other people that those guards now know. And I think yes. to that degree, like, I think the social level can also come from the framing of, like, all these people now know them, they respect them, and then they come into, they come back into town maybe after two weeks or whatever, then I think things have blown over. And there are post wanted posters up, you know, there are now bounty hunters in town. You know, mm-hmm. looking for them and asking questions and, like, so they go back to, like, you know, the the bar late at night. And they're like, hey, Phil, can you let us in? He's like, hell no, I can't let you in. I just had four bounty hunters here trying to either pay me off or rough me up to get information on you. Get the hell out of here. I want nothing to do with you.
2: you know? Right. You guys,
1: you guys are kind of persona non grata right now, and it's yeah. only because I know you and I like you and you bought me a beer once that I'm not turning you in myself.
0: Right. So building that reputation up changes everything at that point, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that and that that might harken back to something like reputation. where burning some rep, might be, you know, it might be mm-hmm. how you end up getting out of it. But yeah, you know, at, the, at that point again, it becomes a resource exchange for right. you, you
0: know? right?
1: And I think you mess up, and now you have to expend some resources to get back out.
0: Right. I'm thinking to uh, Roger Rabbit and the bar scene, you know, where they're hidden in the back room. Oh, know, she's, yeah. She's risking a lot because she understands what it means to hide them you know, from him and and how he with the power that he has over the even over that area. So right. and so then I there's
1: think, that construction worker guy and he's like, "Uh, you know,
0: I'll tell you. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I'll tell you where the rabbit is. Mm-hmm. And Eddie Eddie Valiant is like, see, I told you he was going to rat on you. He's like, yeah, no, he's not going to rat on me. He's not going to rat on me. Why? Cause I made him laugh. Yep. And yep. sure burn enough,
0: a, burn a little rep and there you go. Burned a little
1: rep with him. Yep.
0: So, yeah, I, I I feel that like there are as many ways to play the physical card as there is to play the social card in this, but I yeah. think it's good for both players and and uh uh characters on the same regard. You know, you're you whether or not you're doing it. Um on the other hand, and this is something that we really don't talk about is the NPCs being affected by it. You know, oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's rare that a villain gets affected by the police. But in action movies, a lot of times you'll see situations where um, the hero is trying to get away and, uh, you know, uh, somehow turns them into, you know, uses the cops to stop them. And now they've, they're stopped by the cops. Now, granted, they're going to get out of it, of course, but that gives the heroes time to get away. You know, kind of mom- moments mm-hmm. like that. And I think mm-hmm. those kind of moments are really good because then you can use those, that social knowledge of the area and and you know, those urban skills to say, oh, well, I know that if I keep doing this and these kind of actions, it's going to draw the attention of the guards. And maybe I can use that to turn the guards on these guys because they're going to do something that's illegal, like draw a blade in public, you know? Yep, yep. Absolutely. So, and
1: sometimes, sometimes drawing those eyes is exactly what you know the actual true villains in the story don't want. So, yep,
0: yep, yeah. So, uh, another thing, which is always funny, is okay. uh, Is the uh, walking into the uh, the Brutes Bar? You know, like, hey, you're trying to get away from the police, and you go into the one place that hates the police. Oh. <laughs>
2: so now oh, yeah.
0: you don't necessarily have friends, but you have you have enemies of your enemy working with you to solve a problem.
2: you know <laughs> and you, I... you
0: run into the bar, the cops
1: follow close behind every hell's angel in yep. the bar
0: stands up yeah. you, a pool cue gets <laughs> it and it's dropped. and I think that's a different kind of law enforcement because we're thinking of law enforcement as badge wearing defenders of justice. When really law enforcement also includes like Hell's Angels who, you know, run an area of of a town, you know, or, you know, uh, a different villain's territory or maybe a local rogues guild that that has defense on an area or a a biker gang like a go gang in uh, Shadowrun. Like those are different kinds of law. It's yeah, their it law is. in that area, and sometimes you can still use that to your advantage uh in storytelling that maybe they're not it's not necessarily that they're good but they're there as a as another law tool, you know oh yeah yeah, absolutely i mean that, that's 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 i would say less law
1: more enforcement, i agree, but you're not wrong at yeah. all like that's. One hundred percent, you know, local law enforcement, and it's not always police.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm. I was looking at um, something. Sam, or was it wasn't Sam who was posting? It, it was. Um, was it Knox's story that he was writing up and and adding to? I got to go back to the story discussion. Uh,
1: probably technological
0: story. That's what it was. And in it, he was kind of throwing around some almost Malifaux ideas. And I think about the factions of Malifaux, that they're really. Necess- not necessarily a, a law and order side of Malifaux, but everybody has rules and things that they're they're controlling, and and it's it's a very chopped up world. But at the same time, there's a lot of factions to be playing with, who has control and who can enforce certain areas and, and uh, things there, like
1: that. There there is, but uh, you're you're actually wrong. Malifaux does have a a, a... Distinct law and order. Oh it does. Uh faction. But it's it's uh rule it's definitely rules with an iron fist, arguably the bad guys of the story sort of sort okay. of law. Um and that is uh the um <sighs> shoot, their name was on the tip of my tongue. Um but anyways, they're they're the ones with the death marshals and stuff like that. Um oh, Lady gotcha. Justice is okay. part of theirs. Um so they uh the guild. That's what they are, the guild. Okay. Um, and so they uh, they essentially run everything there uh, because they're the ones who are running the entire Soulstone mining operation, such like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're the ones in uh, technical, legal, and financial power. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is kind of a rebel faction against them. Um, but uh, like I said, they're, they're arguably the bad guys because they are so, you know, uh, exploitive and... Um and such like that. But at the same time, they do have things like the Death Marshals who, you know, go around and hunt the undead with extreme prejudice and such like that. So it's, you know, it's kind of a are we the good guys or are we the bad guys? Do we hit a little bit too hard? Are we judge dread? Yeah. You know, or uh and, and and is that is that okay in a wild, weird west sort of you know, sort of setting.
0: Right, right, right. And then I mean, I guess that, that brings itself to if you do get caught for a crime, what kind of punishments? And are those even meaningful to stories? You know, putting you think, characters in jail or making them do community service. I've seen it work. I've seen it okay. work.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Knox in a Box asks real quick, uh, does mob slash mafia law count as law? It absolutely does.
0: I would say it depends on the story, like at what, what edge of the law. But yeah, I mean, in a story where everyone is working for that i mean if 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 all your players are working for an assassin's guild and that assassin's guild has laws and rules and policies that they follow then that that is law you know
1: yeah i think of think of john wick
0: yeah you know uh john wick uh
1: at one point you know he he runs afoul of the assassin's guild and the assassin's guild levies out some some harsh you know judgments on him and punishments and lets him know like okay this is you're you're no longer welcome here. Everybody, you know, your name is Persona Non Grata. You know, you can't spend your currency within the guild anymore, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So
2: yeah,
0: that's a, a perfect way of looking at it.
1: You know, and that had nothing to do with the, the actual legal system, right? So, right. Um, there's there's some really good stuff, like in uh, you know the Godfather, uh, in you know yakuza settings and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I think even in lighter settings than that. I think if you've got situations like where, you know, maybe your your players know uh, you know, are working in a much more concise system of even things like unions and such. I think those those internal rules and stuff can get you in the same kind of situation. So, sure, I think absolutely. it all it, it all depends on the scope of the game and how prevalent and relevant those those groups are to them. So. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep.
1: yep. Uh, So you were you were saying, though, um, uh, you know, sending a character to jail and stuff like that. Um, I I was thinking back on instances when I did see this happen, and it's actually happened a couple times in uh, Critical Role, Mm. uh, both campaigns. Oh, um, where a character just ended up in jail. And no, I think it's a mature enough group on in, in Critical Role to, you know, say that, like. Okay, this this happened. This is the consequences and whatnot. Um, they ended up having to actually go and bail this character out. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one time where, like, pretty much the entire group got arrested, uh, and it pretty much took all their money to bail themselves out. And even one person kind of had to call in a bunch of favors, uh, which burned. It. So it was it was not only uh, monetary, but it was also reputation. Essentially, that they were bad. That they were blind. right,
0: right. And I think uh I think depending on the situation and especially in d and think reputation uh becomes much more relevant, but it is less of a number that you can see you know mm-hmm so but
1: uh but yeah, yeah. i mean it, it it can be done um yeah. i think the important thing is again to you know to uh uh make sure that the players know that it's not a combat encounter that this is just legitimate consequences of some actions um but also that it's not like that. that submitting to, to law enforcement isn't like the end of your character, you know. It's right. literally not the worst thing that could happen. You can literally just spend the night in jail.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They'll, you know, maybe let you out the next morning and be like, "All right, you know, you, you served your time, walk it off. Right. Don't let us see you, see you back here again or something like that," you know. But, right. but it, it happens.
0: Yeah, I mean, and then you've got. I, I saw that you had listed on here the uh, possible antagonist and i I think you're you and I both have a, a, a affection for Les miz
1: oh yeah 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 absolutely um so bringing in law enforcement agent that sees them as an irredeemable threat, yeah you know uh someone who is uh in fact uh Sean, Sean has uh, an n p c like this in uh, the not the dragon Heist game, but the other game uh that, that knocks in the boxes uh, in with me mm-hmm. and uh it's this NPC from I, I want to say it's the, the the group called Harbors. and uh, he is constantly looking in on us and like basically like He's trying waiting. to catch us with our hand in the cookie jar. He's
0: waiting for you to mess up.
1: Yeah, like my character like because he'll ha- be there when you do. You know, right, right, exactly, exactly. And well, and and the justification is essentially that that we are, um, you know, we're powerful adventurers. Mm-hmm. And powerful adventurers start getting big ideas about what they can and cannot do, and what laws apply to them.
0: Right, and, and I think
1: he's like, seen it before, and he sees that we have the potential for that kind of power, and so he's just, like I said, just wa- waiting in the shadows for us to mess up.
0: Yeah, I think on the other side of that, you've got somebody like uh, the the antagonist in red, the FBI agent, who's who's basically trying to s- go after them because he doesn't know what's going on. But he, oh, right. he's yeah. been told that they're that they're dangerous and they have to be taken. Mm-hmm. You know? So he's mm-hmm. believing to do the right thing and following the rules as best he can, but at the same time keeps coming against these the, this impossible group and, and figuring out what he's gonna do about them right up until the end.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think I think characters like that make for some really interesting role play opportunities because um first of all, they're they're a great opportunity to do the uh uh the antagonist that isn't a villain
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know a good guy antagonist which is just a trope that i love like a lawful good you know person who's constantly in a thorn in your side and a uh, uh a a complication in your plot mm-hmm. um and you know finds you maybe like facing off against the villain and you find that one moment where the heroes and the villain are in some sort of compromising situation together and that you take that moment to like and the door opens and the, the law enforcement dude walks in right and right. sees you together with the villain and goes ha i knew it you are in league with him
2: mm-hmm.
1: and now you've got you know not only you have to fight the villain but you also have to kind of fight the antagonist but not really because he's not a bad guy
2: mm-hmm.
0: just
1: trying to keep him out of the fight
0: <laughs> you know <laughs> you know, or you've got somebody like Admiral Norrington from Pirates of the Caribbean who you know believes the person is wrong and anybody affiliated with them are wrong, you know one of the one of the characters, and then, as he goes on, he loses everything and has to basically turn mhm and and mm-hmm. becomes more evil if you will and 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 goes in in league on that side and i I think those kind of stories are interesting too where you literally the, the heroes create a villain. You know, who's oh, just yeah. trying to oh, do their yeah. job. So absolutely. Yeah. So fun uh, things, fun things.
1: <laughs> now the the other the other type of uh type of punishment that I like to to use other than mm-hmm. like jail time and fines and stuff like that is uh community service. Okay. You have the you have a party full of adventurers who are fully capable of taking down monsters and whatnot like that. Well, why not leverage that all right. right so your punishment for your crime is to go down in the sewers and fight the phase spiders that have been you know warping in there oh, yeah. or something or you know, uh, we've got a, you know, th- three three guards have gone missing while trying to investigate some, you know, goblins in these caves over here. Obviously, they've gotten too big for for, for their britches. So, uh, you know, if they're too big, then, uh, you know, obviously you guys will get your punishment that way. But if they're not, then you'll have done us the service of getting rid of the goblins. Good luck. Yep. Yep. And, no, your, your, your pay for this is we don't send you to jail. Right. No.
0: You know, versus the... Uh, you know, we we can't kill you, you know. So instead, we're going to drop you in this desolate area, and your 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 death is, you know, si- sitting in the desert or whatever, you know. Yes, or, or yes. walking the desert, and you've got those kind of situations where the punishment can lead to other things, mm-hmm. you know. You know, and, maybe
1: you know, and again, it 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 continues
0: the story. Yep, exactly, exactly. Well, do you want to jump on questions since we have a bunch and we they're have a all ton of really questions, good questions?
1: Yeah, let's get on. Let's get on questions. Go ahead and grab one. All right. Let's see here. Uh, we'll start right at the top. OK, so the Techno Lich asks, mm-hmm. uh, do you ever find yourself grabbing pieces of a uh, wait? That's, is, that, is this an old
0: question? That was the one from last week.
1: Oh, yeah. OK, OK, OK. Uh, is it still on? Did we, did we answer it last week?
0: I don't think we did. We could go to the next one that he's got there, which is really good.
1: Okay, uh, so what are some of the strangest laws you have used or seen used in a game? Uh,
2: I've got I don't one. Know.
1: I mean, in okay.
0: 7, 7C comes up with some strange laws, uh, especially in towns, but one of the things that was the, the strangest law that I saw in a game was uh, in uh, one of the, of course, French cities, uh, they had a law that uh, you couldn't, like, basically they had you couldn't wear white after a certain day.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Uh, and that certain colors were for certain classes, and literally, it was it was kind of a catch moment uh, because it was used as a faux pas. Like when somebody we we did a fashion like someone did a a fashion check and basically saw that they were dr- dressed appropriately enough, and then because their failed check was, they had a pin that had some of the color on it. Oh, and it caused a problem, which actually caused a much larger issue in the end. But uh, it was just a really weird law that the the, the the storyteller had thrown in. But it it seemed like oddly appropriate based on the situation and how everyone was dressed. And like they laid the groundwork out for everything right up into it. And then we're all like, oh, man, are we getting caught in this? This is hilarious. <laughs> so that was my weird one.
1: Yeah, I don't, I, you know, honestly, nothing's coming to mind, Um, if only because uh, most of the games that I've played in or have run in the past, I've tried to keep the laws pretty straightforward, just mm-hmm. so that um, it doesn't become a weird complication that kind of draws away from the plot, because my plot has always been something that's been not having to, anything to do with the legal system, you know, right. so it's always been things like, you know, necromancy is bad, mind affecting spells are bad, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh, sort of things, and... Yeah, I really, I don't have a lot of experience with strange laws.
0: Straight up, just don't play Paranoia. Next.
1: Oh, God, yeah. Uh-uh-uh, <laughs> computer didn't say. Report for termination, citizen. Yep. <laughs> All right, so Samantha, uh, Samantha Gay would ask, uh, Oh, I've never thought about creating an actual laws in a world that players have uh, have to but might not follow. Is there a way to go about making some for a homebrew or add some of your own to a pre-created Uh, Sure. There's, uh, I mean, I think our own legal system um, stands as a great uh, jumping off point for that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you want your big ones on there of, you know, don't resist arrest, don't murder, don't steal, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, breaking and entering, things like that. Um, But what I would do then is also look through uh, the various, um, you know, factions and powers and whatnot that are Uh, in place. So, like, take Dungeons and Dragons for example as your as your major thing here. Um, take a look through the spell section and think of the legal implications of some of those spells. So, charm spells, you know, that are mind affecting, like that. Uh, obviously, like dominate person, things like that. Uh, those are taking away someone's free will. So, are things like that going to be illegal? Is necromancy illegal? You know, because obviously that involves things like grave robbing and, you know, raising the dead, violating dead bodies, let alone living ones.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, so you want to think about those sort of things. Um, You also uh, have a situation where you've got armed adventurers. Mm -hmm. You know, all your characters have swords or shields or staffs or or bows and arrows or whatever's going on there. Um, You may want to think about what it is that... uh, you know the town has as far as uh peace binding rules
0: mm-hmm. or whether I think, they
1: like, even need the... to ch- check their weapons at the door
0: that's what i was just thinking like start if you start small and in a town like the first place they come to is like an inn and when you, they walk in the inn there's literally a brute behind like bars and he with a slot that basically says no swords or bows leave your weapons here you
1: know? yeah exactly you can,
0: you can get them on the way out
1: and but... it's and it's a, it's real sensible too i mean you're mm-hmm. in a space with alcohol you know, yeah. like uh, bar fights are one thing, but bar fights can turn lethal real damn quick,
0: mm-hmm. you know, when
1: swords are just readily available.
0: But I would say I would say focus on the types of people and the air in the atmosphere and then think of the most chaotic thing that they could do to each other and try and ramp it down. So, like, if it's an assassin's guild, first rule, assassin's club, don't shit where you eat. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. in, within the guild, everyone is the same. We're all equal. We're just getting jobs here. And you could say within 50 feet of the property, you know, kind of a thing like that, where it's like, we don't make hits on each other. It's just professional courtesy, you know? You yeah, know, absolutely,
1: it, absolutely.
0: You know, we don't accept hits like that. We only accept hits here. You know, it's got to go through channels. It's got to do that. If you do a side hit, you are persona non grata and no longer welcome. And, you know, your coin is useless, you know, kind of mm-hmm. a thing. And, and those are the kinds of things that start, the law bowl rolling uh, with those types of groups. And you can often get people to get players to follow very strict rule systems or try and be very close to them. If they want something that's at the end of that chain, if they want to get into that group, they might be willing to follow those guidelines to get closer to where they want to go.
1: Yeah. And, uh, one, one other thing to keep in mind, too, is that, you know, you're a uh, powerful, like, you know, kind of jumping off that powerful groups are the ones that set the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have an especially like tyrannical ruling party or a, like a king or something like that, um, they may be levying strong taxes on certain things. Uh, so and, and these I mean, these are laws just like anything else is that you have to pay X amount of extra coin for certain, you know, Services, certain goods
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: may be extraordinarily heavily taxed, or uh, they may have things like um, sumptuary laws, um, where like uh, Rob was mentioning earlier, that you would have rules on what colors you can and cannot wear mm-hmm. during certain times and stuff like that, because, uh, and this, this comes from real history, you know, like wearing purple or wearing red mm-hmm. would denote you as a member of the peerage of the, of the, the, the royalty or the nobility. Uh, and so if you wore red or you wore purple, um, you could be seen as impersonating a noble.
0: Yep. You know,
1: and so that that might be something to where, you know, a certain color is off limits or a certain color is required.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So all these things, all these things just kind of think about. Um, I wouldn't get too deep into things unless it's really kind of a running theme of your game that, you know, Law and Order is a a... A theme, or even potentially the conflict in in question, yep. uh, but those are some really good jumping off points there for some some just basic rule system.
0: Yep, and likewise, if you've got a society that is constantly being sacked or attacked, or 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 being involved in the hijinks of whoever's, you know, bringing stuff in. For instance, maybe your adventuring group when they go out deals with a bunch of crap, but then when they come back, some of that crap follows them back in, there's nothing that says that the town doesn't start creating their own rules of like, don't bring don't bring that crap back here. We want nothing to do with you.
1: Oh God, yeah. A no adventurer's rule. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I
1: could see it. I could see yeah. it happening. There's
0: nothing quite like having a cleric on his knees in a church while fighters are rushing in the doors to come after your players who are getting healed, screaming, "Not in the church! Not in the you know you know mm-hmm. no no blood should be in the church!" You know, kind of a thing. So, all right. Box so, in the
1: box says, "I'm a monk. I am the lethal weapon."
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's so true. It's so true.
1: It- it's a uh, it's a it's a well-known fact. Uh, Knox in the box cannot put his hands in his pockets, mm-hmm. actually, because it's considered concealing a lethal weapon. There you go. hmm.
0: All right. So Matt Elf says not so much a question, but a wax philosophical on the integration of magic psychics and superpowers on games legal framework. When no one can lie or get away with one, what does that do to criminal activity?
1: Oh yeah. This is this is a subject near and dear to my heart because it's kind of the entire uh the entire underpinnings of a faction in Aberrant.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh there's a group called the Terragen in Aberrant. and Aberrant uh, uh for those of you who uh, have not caught other games or are not familiar with Aberrant, um is a uh modern day Kind of superheroes game, but it no, we, it runs yeah. very more gritty realism, sort of like uh like the boys mm-hmm. uh, style thing where you know Watchmen. not everybody's a four color yeah. Not everybody's a four color uh, good guy superhero in right. tights, you know. Uh, this is average Joe's sprouted superheroes overnight and what do we do with that? Yeah. And there's a there's a whole faction in there called the Terragen, and one of the big things about the Terragen is that um they're very much almost like a uh, if you're familiar with the X-Men, um, you know, Magneto's sort of uh, outlook on things is that mutants aren't human anymore and therefore shouldn't have to really follow human societal rules and laws.
0: Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Very much like that.
1: And uh, but But it kind of comes down to the question of like, you know, OK, so if I can phase through solid matter, what is your jail sentence going to do to me? Right. You know? Like, I don't exist on the same realities. I don't follow the same physical rules that you do. So why should I follow the same legal rules that you do? You know? Right. And it really really, you know, asks some pretty interesting questions of what, you know, what does superpowers do to the legal structure? And do you then end up coming up with special laws for uh for the whole group as a whole, novas or mutants or whatever you want to call them? Right. and, and at that point do you do you have to tailor the punishment per person who then decides what's just? Right. And do, do baselines, you know, people without powers, get to decide what just treatment of a Nova is? Right. You know, or should it be a jury of their peers, other Novas? And at that point, should other Novas just have their own legal system and their own, you know, society?
0: Yeah, which which begs as a question: Should they not even be there?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Once I started digging into the Terrigen's whole philosophy on things and stuff like that, they uh, they stopped being uh, weird, you know, weird weird comic book villains and started being like, oh crap, these guys are really onto something, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's good philosophy and understanding, but it really messes with it. I think Rifts did the same kind of problems with the Psychers. And, and magic and how basically they were trying to get control of a world that had gone chaotic. Uh, the coalition as a whole, that they mm-hmm. were basically police stating every square foot that they could. Um, much like the Empire, um, I think, uh, of, of, I would say, visual reference in Star Wars. That for the most part, we get the feeling that they're, they're trying to control the universe and bring order to the chaos that's out there sure Um, sure same thing in firefly and i think that when you start stepping to things that are just outside of that that are outside of their control the force magic psychic powers it it brings them harder down on it and i think that was shown in x-men just as easily
1: oh absolutely absolutely
0: yeah nice nice overwatch very very solid
1: Yes, uh, Overwatch puts in the, uh, the, the, the chat here. Perhaps there are some novas who prefer to stay with the baseline herd for the warmth and comfort it provides. I say obtain your warmth from equals. Humans do not require the companionship of monkeys, and likewise, novas do not require the companionship of baselines. Yep. Absolutely. Yep,
2: very, very well put.
1: Yep, right straight from Divis Mall.
0: Alright, so Nox has a question. What about worlds where PC's mere existence is illegal? Uh, Think of mutants and days of future past. How do you create safe havens and inspire hopeful gameplay in settings that can be such constrictive and oppressive? Is the whole concept just a bad idea? I don't think it's a bad idea. I think that it it definitely um, leans hard into a much more gritty world and people hiding. Um... I can remember D&D games where we had races that were races or classes that were outlawed um, and players who were playing within those. I mean, I think to a degree, a lot of people feel that warlocks as a class are kind of outlawed because of what players know about what can come of that. The idea of of, of mixing, you know, your, your rights with demons and, and letting them slip through, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: So I think any, um, anytime you run into those, I think safe havens can help bring down the scope of the world by putting a uh of put using the oppression and of the concern as a as a as a uh, gray field that you know a, a no man's land, if you will, uh, where now everything has to be kind of covert at times. I think X Men did that really well, where it was like you know you'd pinhole your way through existence going from point to point to point because you can't just work in normal society with all of your power set you kind of gotta hide
1: yeah uh, that was a pretty running pretty big running theme in uh our early uh tmnt games Mm -hmm. also because uh this we didn't play after the bomb uh for most of them and so we were contemporary modern you know and mutants were a another strangeness yeah uh, but as far as as far as uh, is the whole concept just a bad idea I, I don't think it's a bad idea necessarily I just mm-hmm. think that you need the right group for it and I think that um, you all have to be willing to tell that story and get involved in some pretty heavy concepts and stuff like that and I know a lot of groups um, uh, in, in fact I think probably mine you know spe- uh, uh, included uh, really want to go to the the table to tell a story to escape from the harshness of reality Mm -hmm. not to embrace it yep uh so i would say you know it's it's not a bad idea if your group is looking for that type of story uh there can be a lot of catharsis to be told in that sort of story especially if it's um you know therapeutic for for someone because they've 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 had an experience like that or they come from a a uh demographic that is um uh confronted with oppression on a regular basis. Uh, to have a character that can that can freely navigate that and tell a story about victory under those conditions can be really good.
0: Totally, I totally agree with that.
1: So it's it's not a it's not a bad concept. It's just like I said, you just you just need the right group and the right players for it.
0: Yeah, and sometimes you can use something like that as a pre session to a much larger campaign to test things out. Or if you're trying to figure out how you want something to roll through, I mean, a lot of people have worlds that started in oppression and change because of events, and there's nothing to say that you couldn't have the players play out those events. Yeah, absolutely. So. All right. Got one from Overwatch there, too.
1: Yeah, we got got a question here from Overwatch. Uh, Campaigns as police procedurals. Have you ever done anything like this or anything where the player characters are the law and order? How do you go about setting something up like that?
0: Um, I've set up games, but I haven't run them yet. Uh, in in Seven C, where I'm using Musketeers. Um, I think oh, okay, the closest okay, okay. I got to it was uh, the Children of Heroes game, where you guys were the guard, um, and helping people and taking care of things. Uh, in Freiburg, um, was about as close as I got to that, but it wasn't very procedural. It was it was closer to Harry Potter, um. But I think Police Procedural would be fun, I think, but not necessarily for everybody. I think it's good for stories, but I think once you get multiple players involved, it can get kind of boring for some of those players, depending on who they are. I mean, you can only have, like, one Magnum PI.
1: Uh, That's that's true. Um, I I actually ran a a small game like this. Um, It... uh... It didn't last simply because we, we had, you know, a, a bunch of different sessions where people were just not able to show up because real life got in the way and stuff like that. And we just decided to call it quits in the Game. Right. Um, but for a while there, uh, we had a – we actually started off as first-level PCs, mm-hmm. um, and I ran it in a town. Um, one of the main characters was uh, a paladin of the Church of Justice. Uh, Justice okay. was one of the gods. And so, essentially, they the church was the judicial system. Uh, and so she was a police officer, essentially, and uh, she was able to deputize the rest of the party mm-hmm. to go. And, and basically, I used her as the main plot hook of, like, oh, hey, this is going on. You know, can you look into it? And then she was like, oh, well, I've got these powerful friends who can also help. Can I deputize them? They said, sure. And off the party goes. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, and it was really great, actually, too, because then I, I was able to add in some um, other aspects of how the police were kind of on the take, and there were these, like, vigilante, you know, justice sort of people going on inside the church, and uh, there were some really good, really good opportunities for role-playing there, and it actually worked really well. I'm kind of disappointed the story didn't go further.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm thinking back to... um uh some of the the more uh team cop movies where mm-hmm. the, you 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 know you've got stuff like um jeez i'm starting to lose track of some of them in my head but um you know the stories where you've got a main character who is primary justice or someone who's looking for justice and then them going and picking up people they knew who would assist them in taking care of this problem you know and that kind of stuff could definitely give you that reg- same kind of regard.
1: It kind know? of that uh, almost uh, like burden notice. Yeah, Although, I mean he's not a cop; he's a spy. But <laughs> you know, it's it's sort of that that he you know he's got his own problems, but he's also got these very qualified allies he can call in, and so they they tend to be the team you know dealing with Michael's problems, regardless right. of you know what's going on.
0: Right, right. Or you've got stuff like, um, God, what am I thinking? Tombstone, or yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Tombstone. Tombstone. got a Doc Holliday there.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who again is pulling together a gang? You know of mm-hmm. of people posse. to go see. Yes. Uh, the other one that I was thinking of is with uh the one with Sean Connery and Kevin Costner, um, going after the mob. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Untouchables. Thank you, thank you. I was losing the mm-hmm. name, and I think that's another good police procedural where you've got a, a someone you know. You've got different people who are all coming together, and I think that's a. I think the Untouchables does a good job of bringing in other types of people. You know, you got yeah. an account, an accountant of all people. You know, mm-hmm. involved in that group. You know, but you've got effectively, you know, your hard nosed detective. You've got another detective who clearly, you know has a very different feeling about law, who's kind of running things, you know? And that's, that's where things get interesting is that you can run stories like that. Um, And I think that uh, you can, looking at some of those, you can definitely get a feel for where they're going to go, but I think they're very player driven. I think a lot of those stories, you, you usually end up with a lot of drive and direction from the players. And what exactly, they
1: especially when you get a, a very diverse group together like that and you give them the freedom to make their own decisions, you know, right? Uh, that's I think the important thing. Um, I think that the, the main pitfall with running uh, running as a, as a police group is that you're gonna have the you know them always answering to the police chief mm-hmm. or guard captain or whoever that might be. So I think the it's it's important to give your players the um the autonomy. To go out and make their own decisions, so that they don't feel like their entire thing is on rails, you know.
0: No, but I think I think the opening of rails and and law where you've got a chief who's yelling at them, who's like, you know, this is how you're going to have to handle these things, and we're not going to be able to get this kind of stuff done, and then they walk out the door and just do something different is pretty much every police procedural movie, you know. <laughs> that's that's true, you know? you know, where it's just like, th- yeah, you guys three gonna- days. To- Three days from retirement. Exactly. And I think that kind of stuff is fun because they understand the rules that they've got to follow. But at the same time, they also understand that they could bend the rules to get where they want to go. And then, of course, at the end, you're going to have to have at least like... You just took out two city blocks and killed, you know, and wrecked 14 cars. Do you have any idea how much this is going to cost the precinct? You know, that kind of shit. You know, he's a and lone I think... wolf that walks to the beat of a different drummer. Exactly. He only knows one law his law. That's right. That's right. You know, you know give he's him a gun and he's under Potter... control. Give him two and he's deadly. You know, he's a powder keg balanced on a knife's edge. <laughs> what does that even mean? What does that I mean? don't even know.
1: <laughs> It's something Sean said to me once, and I've been laughing about it ever since. It's
0: it's pretty fantastic, honestly. Uh, yeah, Overwatch, you're good. You're a good couple, Melly,
1: but you're a loose cannon.
0: Yeah, I think The Incredibles is a great example of that as well. I oh, think that's, yeah, that's perfect. Where you've definitely got you know you've got an agency that's watching them. Like, please don't destroy the whole damn city. Can't you just get a job and like settle right. down, have a kid? So. Yeah, I yeah, think and
1: there's there's the question too. Uh, I uh, I remember from uh, it was a, a a plot in uh, the Flash comics back in oh god, the 80s, maybe early 90s something mm-hmm. like that, um yep. where they they kicked the Flash out of Keystone City. Okay. Because they were basically deciding that like uh we have a superhero here and that means that supervillains come here to fight him. So if we get yep. rid of the superhero, We'll have peace and quiet.
0: <laughs> right. And, and I think that's a really good way of looking at that is I think you definitely get that kind of thing. On the other hand, you also get situations like uh, Seven Samurai or Samurai Seven, you know, where you've got a group who are like, we don't have any justice and this group is enforcing and we need you to come and handle it.
2: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, this damio is just murdering. You know, just ste- th- stealing from us constantly, and we we need that taken care of. And now you've got that kind of band coming together or being built and coming together. And I think that's a great way of looking at that too. So yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can, can go a lot of a like, lot great places with that. Yeah. All right. So it looks like we're probably coming up on the end yep, of the show here.
0: Our uh, next week's topic is going to be on stereotypes, class, and reputation, handling details of racism, classism, and appearance. You can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Obviously, you're listening on MixLR right now, which is mixlr.com slash storyteller dash Conclave. And please check our Twitter for our Discord links uh, and information there. And join us, uh, like many of our people here, in our live show chat uh, and online.
1: I would like to give a big, big shout out to our uh, Patreon members, Knox in the Box, Sam, Arcane Asylum, and so many others uh, who've uh, helped support the show every month. Thank you so much uh, for continuing to make this possible. We love every single one of you. Uh, our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find them at geefrogmusic.weebly.com. And our archer music, which you're hearing now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find her on soundcloud.com slash Machine or on freemusicarchive.org.
0: We'd like to give a great shout out to our families. Vicky, Sean, thank you so much for letting us do this every week. And all of our friends who play 7C with us on other games. And you, our listeners. Thank you so very much. We love you. Love you guys. Good night.